nowhere in my complete education anyone ever talked about this is how you talk to another person. Welcome to the Life Itself Hubcast. This is your pulse on the beat of ideas, people, and stories coming from the Life Itself community in Berlin. The Life Itself Berlin Hub is an intentional community exploring the question, what does it mean in today's world to be weller and wiser? I'm your host, Sen Jan. I'm a storyteller and user experience researcher and a resident here at the community. I want to share the stories and learnings from the incredible happenings at the Hub with our Berlin community and beyond. Episode 5. How do we relate authentically? We recently had the privilege to host a series of workshops in Authentic Relating, led by trainer and coach Alex Müller. In our interview, I talked to Alex about what Authentic Relating is, how it can improve our communication, and some easily applicable practices to bring into everyday interactions. I hope you enjoy the episode. Sitting here with you, Alex, I notice that I'm thinking about all the things that I want to talk to you about. And I'm noticing that I have some tension in the front of my head, right behind my eyes. Mm. Hearing this, I notice curiosity coming up around your thought processes. And hearing you say that makes me feel really happy that I can offer this to you and to me and to anyone who's listening. Hearing this, I notice picture in my head with ooh, who are all these people who are going to hear this <laughs> and as I say this some fear coming up oh my god everyone can hear this and hearing this and seeing you I, I somehow feel relaxed about it and I also want to extend that relaxation to you because I know it's going to be fun and great <laughs> Hearing this, I notice how I want to reassure you that I'm not not relaxed. But, and still it's this, whoa, everyone is going to hear this. Everyone who wants to hear this can hear this. Like, oh. Hearing this, I'm, I'm glad to know that you're uh, not not <laughs> unrelaxed. There's too many un-nots in there. <laughs> Welcome to the Life Itself Hubcast, Alex. I'm so happy that you could join us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. So there's many things that I would love for us to talk about today. And I thought that a good place to start would be to simply talk a little bit about what is authentic relating coming from your perspective as a trainer, facilitator, workshop coach. How would you describe it to someone who has never heard that before? Authentic relating is a practice where I learn how to share myself, how to share my own processes, my feelings, my emotions and my sensations with others to create connection. I learn how I step away from a language of shaming, blaming, judging others into trusting myself that it is okay, whatever comes up for me, that I can share this and that 
whatever comes up for me, if I make it explicit and own it, I can create connection. Basically, this is what being authentic means for me and what this practice is. How do you think authentic relating is very different from what we do on a day-to-day -day basis? I think that taking self-responsibility for one's actions on a day-to-day basis -day is one of the rarest things you can find in the world out there coming from a construction background. So I was working for more than 20 years in construction. And it's always someone else. It's always someone else's fault. The person comes late in the morning. It was the metro line was too late. So it was not him getting up too late to catch the metro line. No, it was the metro line. It's the bus that's too late. It's mm -hmm. the alarm that does not go off. It's this, it's that. It's always something else. For me, this also goes into bigger dynamics. It's the politician's fault that things don't go as I want them. It's the government's fault that I don't earn the money that I need. It's the weather's fault that I can't mm -hmm. go for a walk. Mm -hmm. It's always something. Why do we do that? Because no one ever teaches us to do differently. Because no one tells us. In my school career, in my complete work career, no one ever told me how to communicate my emotions, my feelings, my sensations, or any other way that would not be manipulative. Nowhere in my complete education, anyone ever talked about, this is how you talk to another person. Mm -hmm. What I hear also when you say, most of the time we blame others, it's this person's fault, it's this system's fault. There's a fear of being the one who is responsible yourself and maybe having someone else blame you. And so it maybe feels safer to shift the responsibility as soon as possible onto another agent so that we are absolved of it. Yes, definitely. This is something that happens. This is based on the programming we get from childhood on. This is how we get trained to put responsibility away from us to not own mixed with a, a big portion of perfectionism that gets mm -hmm. bigger and bigger and bigger where everyone thinks she or he has to know everything i have to know everything and if i make a mistake ooh, mm. terrible not yeah failure if something like failure even exists seems to not be an option anymore whilst for me this is the only way to learn i only learned from making mistakes over and over again mm -hmm. in my relationships at work everywhere i learned from my own mistakes and by learning to trust myself more and more it gets easier and easier to own what i would label as a mistake it's a learning this did not go well okay mm -hmm. next time i try something different mm -hmm. this did not work as i would like it to work okay next time Try something different instead of trying to control. Oh, this is what it has to be. It did not go that way. So something must be terribly wrong. How did you come to this work in authentic relating? You had such a background in construction, which is such a different world than this. What changed in your life? The moment where I knew 
I don't want to work in construction anymore was while I was sitting uh, 11 Devi Pasana. It was somewhere in the middle and I was, yeah, I had this epiphany is a big word, but something a little under this. I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I can't wake up every morning at 3.30, do my practice, be in the office at 6, yeah, work 10 to 12. I, I can't do this anymore. And yeah, started a sabbatical year. I booked some flight tickets to Bali, to India, inland flights in India. I stayed in Bali. I, I really liked it so much there. And yeah, then there was this Facebook ad authentic relating training in Bali. I signed up without knowing much about it. It was, oh, that sounds interesting, weekend, cool. And half into this training, I knew why I don't want to go back into the world of construction, why I can't deal with this anymore, why, why this is not working for me anymore. And it was because people don't know how to talk to each other. Mm. People don't know how to take responsibility, including me. So when I say people, it's at this point, it was also me realizing that there were so many things where I did not take responsibility for my actions and the consequences, me not taking responsibility that arose out of this. And then I knew you're not going to relax this sabbatical year and then go back. (laughs) you are going to do something different. And this was the beginning of my journey into communication. And when you say you recognize that you weren't taking responsibility for certain things, did anything specific come to mind? What were the things that triggered this decision to move into a different life? One of the things for me was what I label now as youification. 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 Mm using a, a you or a we instead of expressing myself, I hate it when you do that. Mm, yeah. It would be more, uh, couldn't you do something different? Mm, instead of, I and would like you to do something I different. I would like, or, yeah, or even say, I feel angry when you do this this way. I am responsible for this work to be done in a certain way. I need you to listen to me and do the things as they are on the piece of paper I give Mm. to you. I realized how a lot of my language was passive aggressive. This not saying what I really want. When you talk about passive aggressive, I sometimes think about why we get passive aggressive. And I think about sarcasm as a form of passive aggression. And I think about how in the past, when I found myself sliding into that, it was usually because when I would sometimes come out with, with your family and your close ones, that's you, because you don't get sarcastic with strangers. You get sarcastic with the, the people who are, are closely connected to you. And I found that I started doing that when I didn't feel comfortable saying what I actually wanted from the person, when mm-hmm. it felt like, oh, the other person should know what I want. And if they're not giving it to me, then I can't directly say, for example, I can't directly say with my mother at some point, I couldn't directly say to her, I don't want you to pack me this lunch anymore because I was afraid that it would hurt her feelings or this or that. And so instead I would say it in in a backhanded way where it's just, I have this lunch, you know, all the time that people are going to think I'm not creative. I can't have anything different for lunch, something like that, where I'm really afraid to just say the, the direct thing that I wanted 
hard mm-hmm. to do or not do. Yeah, things like that happen very often. Mm. One thing that came up for me listening to you was family and close ones. It's the major league of every form of <laughs> authentic expression. Boss level. Yeah, boss level. <laughs> Endgegner in Germany, so this is boss fight. Yeah, it's the most challenging for me because the story in my head is there's the most to lose mm. with a partner, with a very close friend or with mother, father. Mm. This is where, yeah, where it is the most difficult. And in my experience, Once I dared to bring these practices into family and relationship, there it had the biggest impact. So the more I'm emotionally involved in this relationship, the harder it is to initiate any form of practice. And also the higher the benefit out of it is. Mm. Being able to say, I take your example with the lunch, to a mother... Somehow I don't feel comfortable anymore with you like making my lunch. I would really prefer to make it myself. Sounds so easy, but when you're a certain age and you say this to your mother, it's really edgy because there are all these stories mm-hmm. in our mind. Yeah, but she, she only w- wants the best for us mm-hmm. and she really likes doing it mm-hmm. and... What if she's disappointed? There could also be punishment involved, maybe. Ah, and if she's disappointed, I can't maybe go to this party. So all these things where we try to create predictable outcomes through our behavior instead of tuning in. What is it for me? Why do I want that? How do I feel about it? And using these things to communicate. I'm curious how... It's been for you to introduce these practices into your family and in, into your closer relationships because it's, it's such a daunting thing, as we said, it's boss level. So what are the, let's say, the, the small micro steps? Seeing what works. Authentic Relating has so many different practices, so many different ways how and what I can express Using a safe environment like workshops or authentic relating communities to play around what works for you, for example, the best, what comes the most natural is going to be the thing that is the most natural in a relationship, which is going to be the easiest, the smallest stretch to do. For me, it's noticing, saying, hearing this, I notice as a response or... A story that comes up for me is, this is something that comes very easy for me. Other ways are to work with the assumptions or with the noise in our head, with physical sensations. Finding something that comes easy in a workshop environment is going to be the easiest to practice with people we are in close relationships with. I, I want to come back to this later, but right now I would love to talk about how you begin introducing the concepts of authentic relating in your workshops. How do you start explaining that to people who are just encountering this for the first time? I don't. I, I, I try my very best not to explain too much and have people experience the practices, introducing different practices so that participants can 
see the difference in the connections they have with very often strangers in a workshop and finding out that even if this is a workshop where everyone knows everyone, that this is a complete different way to communicate and to explore the depth of it. I don't think that I could explain what it is because it also is so different for everyone. When people come to your workshops, what are the reasons that they give for coming? Curiosity. Some people it is, oh, I, know, I knew someone who did a workshop and who was really excited. Someone who did authentic relating or someone who did radical honesty, nonviolent communication. Quite often, I think it's a longing to be seen, to be seen in a different way, to yeah, find the tools to express what's often so difficult to express. So many people come with stored emotions, with feelings, with sensations. They know all of this is there and all of this is valid and rich and creates so much connection with others when I find a way how to express that. Yeah, but how to express that? Mm -hmm. How to express this without acting out on the emotion without mm -hmm. acting out on our feelings. And I don't know how much of this really is conscious for people when they come to a workshop like this. But during the workshops, this is something many people explore. Finally, I know how to express what I knew what was always there, where I had no idea what to do with this. Finding the words for it. Finding the words for it, finding the tools for it, yes. Mm. Exactly. Mm. And when people arrive at a workshop, what can they expect to experience? What's the, the format like? Connection. How can I connect on a relational level with others? How can I use my feelings, my emotions, my physical sensations to connect with the other person? to allow them to really see me. I think this is one of the bigger things people can take out of these workshops. How does it feel to be seen and see others in the way they are? Or so much of people's day-to-day -day communication is more acting out on something that's under it. And this anger or this joy or this frustration never finds its way out. And in the Authentic Relating workshops, you get the tools to go to the core of what you want to express and how to express that in a way that connects you with others. I noticed from the workshop that I attended last week where the, the practice was simply to say, I notice in myself xyz in relation to something that happened with my partner whether it was something that the partner expressed like we did at the beginning or something that i was taking from the environment maybe and i noticed that the shift was because i, I think that i've i've gotten quite used to expressing in terms of i statements so getting away from the 
how did you call it, the the euification. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that the difference even there was, I might sometimes say to one of my flatmates, if I'm worried a little bit about them, or I notice that they're tired, my, my first instinct might be to say something like, are you feeling all right? Can I bring something for you? And even that is already a bit pushing forward, I notice, because it's like assuming a little bit of what the story might mm -hmm. be. It's assuming that they, they need something or that they're not doing well or that they want company or attention. And what I was doing this last week was I was just saying, I noticed that I'm curious about how you're doing. Mm -hmm. I noticed that I'm feeling a little concerned about you. I noticed that I'm wondering if something is going on. And even that I felt was such a shift because all of a sudden it wasn't me trying to do something to fix a situation or to insert myself into trying to make them better, but just to say this is you know something that I see in myself, maybe like the, the story that you're talking about. And in so doing, it relieves them of the responsibility of taking care of you know, my inquisitiveness or my need to do something. And it, it, there's something that was very relaxing about being able to say that and also without needing them to, to be any different than they were. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hearing this, I notice how, <laughs> how this word agency pops up on top of my awareness. And I think a lot of the times this is exactly what happens. If I see someone who sits in the corner and is sad, and I immediately go there and, oh, do you need a hug? What do you need? What can I do? This might be really invasive. And if I take myself, if I'm in a workshop setting where I'm participant and something is moving for me and I maybe sit somewhere and I'm sad, maybe I start crying. The last thing I want is someone who walks up to me and talks at me. So by going there and saying, yeah, I noticed that something in me wants to check in on you. And mm -hmm. yeah, how do you feel about that? Yeah, it's so easy to say, no, I would like to be alone. Or, wow, that's really sweet. Yeah, I'm having a really tough time right now. Yeah, it changes the dynamic a little bit. Mm, yes. I, I realize right now that my example was not the most perfect one, but I hope that it's... <laughs> It made clear what I'm, what, where I'm aiming yes. for. As one recovering perfectionist to probably another recovering perfectionist, it's okay. <laughs> I want to know a bit more now about some of the other, I don't know if you would call them techniques or practices, such as this one that we just talked about. Mm -hmm. you know? So I notice in me that something is going on. What are some of the other practices that you teach in the workshops? Noticing is really a basic tool that has so many different layers. I think I could do noticing for a day, just mm -hmm. saying that this is really a, a big one. For example, what we are going to do in the next workshop, we will talk about feedback. Why is it important to be open for feedback? How can we ask for feedback? How can we give feedback and use this to be seen and see others? and create openness. I'm talking about the difference of relating and controlling. Can I be with the situation or do I want to create a predictable outcome or something that might feel safe? I talk about assumptions, how a lot of our 
communication is based on assumption. So we don't focus on or talk about things that really happen. We talk about stories. Mm -hmm. We see something and we don't talk about the thing we see. We talk about the stories our mind mm -hmm. creates or we create around that. Can we talk a bit more about that? Because I know that I get stuck in stories all the time. Kopfkino, all yeah, the time. Kopfkino. <laughs> and for me, I know that like, I'm aware of when it's most likely a story. There's a certain feeling that it's, it's like a bodily sensation. It's very um, heady. And I know that it's a story when, when every piece of evidence that I collect I somehow make feed into that story. But even as I'm aware that this is happening, I don't know how to stop it. I don't know how to break myself out of it. How would you handle that? I generally don't think that when processes like this happen, I can't stop mine. Mm -hmm. All I can do is I can share them. I can use them to step into connection with people involved, sharing. I tell myself the story that. X, Y, Z is happening. Is that true? Mm. If I have an assumption about a person, if I would look around in this room, I could say, I tell myself the story that you really like to have everything in order, which has nothing to do with what I see in this room. It's just my story. It's, my com it's how I compare this room with another room, with the next room, and my own idea of how things look like when they are in order. And when something like this comes up, these assumptions, these stories, the only way that works for me to get out of them is to share them, which does not necessarily mean that I have to verbalize them and speak them out loud. Also for myself, in form of a self-talk, say, ah, there's a story coming up. Mm -hmm. So I'm putting a label on what's happening there and it has less power over my behavior and over my patterns than it had before. When it comes to assumptions I have of people or situations, the easiest for me is to share them, to say I'm having this assumption. This comes up for me, something I'm telling myself is and use this to create connections. If you liked this podcast, you might enjoy my other podcast, Beyond Asian. These are stories from third culture Asians navigating the complexity of identity, culture, and belonging in a global landscape. You can find it anywhere you get your podcasts or on our website, beyondasian.com. So I noticed that I have a question yeah. about how this works, which is I have an experience with, with a friend or with a flatmate or with a family member, and I start generating a story about them. The story might be, you're doing this because you want me to be a certain way, or you're doing this because you are trying to get out of being responsible, or you're doing this because blah, blah, blah. And there's a fear that if I share the fact that, hey, I'm telling myself the story that you were doing this because of this. And the other person doesn't receive it in the sense of, oh, she's trying to connect with me. The other person takes it as an accusation or they that might actually be exactly what's happening, but they're not going to own up to it. Then there's the risk that I've shared something and then the other person says, no, that's, that's not what's going on at all. 
And then what do I do? Because then I don't know what reality is. So I guess there's maybe a question of what if there's not the trust that the other person will take your offering and, and work with it constructively? If it holds you back to share with someone something that you don't like about them because you are afraid they can't hold this, in the end what you do is you try to control, you try to create a certain outcome The mind already creates the story. Oh my God, maybe this person can't hold this situation. Or even, ah, oh, I can't share this because this person always reacts in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And this keeps us from relating when people get defensive. That's something that happens. I try my very best when someone gets defensive, when I talk to them, to use active listening listening to them, reflecting back what I hear them say to calm down the situation again. And yeah, people get defensive. I can own everything to the very best of my abilities and I can share this with someone who is not going to take this well. Mm. Where I push some button, where I trigger something in this person, some childhood trauma, some I'm not good enough, or I am. I feel judged, I feel shamed, I feel blamed, whatever is alive in this other person. This risk is always there. And in terms of connecting with others, I like to take a certain responsibility for if I know that this person is very sensitive, that I, for example, I warn them, hey, I need to talk to you about something. I know this is a this is a topic where before there came a lot of tension up. Would you be willing to hear that? Or can we create a space to slowly go into this conversation? Theoretically, I know that it is not my responsibility to take care of other people's trauma or their wounds. Practically, this does not always work if I really want to relate to this person and when I know, okay, when it comes to the topic of I'm making this story up now, there's a roommate in this flatting situation and leaves the kitchen dirty. And this person is really sensitive if he gets, he or she gets approached on this topic. Yeah, I can directly confront this person over and over again and this person reacts with anger. Yeah, or I can try to say, hey, There's something I want to talk to you about. I know that this topic created tension before, so I would like us to sit down and would you be willing to do that? Mm -hmm. To create this container up front, create safety for the other person because the other person can prepare. It's create safety for myself because yeah, I can also prepare, I can breathe, I can say, hey, let's take a few breaths before. This is what I would like to talk to you about, starting the sentence with whatever I feel about this situation and why it is important for me and that I come out of a space of connection, that I want to connect with you, that I want to make this shared living situation more comfortable for all of us. Yeah. This is what comes up for me on this topic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is how to approach this. It makes me also think about, you had mentioned in last week's workshop that when we communicate, we can do so with the intention of connecting or with the intention of controlling. Mm -hmm. And I thought a lot about that. 
of when it makes sense to communicate with the intention of connecting, depending on what kind of relationship you have with this person or what context you're sharing together. And the context of a workplace situation came often to mind. And the workplace is a context where it's the working relationship that brings people together, not necessarily the personal relationship. And so there's going to be people who you might, if you're lucky, have a good personal connection with. But but generally, you, you probably don't have that at the beginning and even after many months, years of working in a place. Mm-hmm. How would we uh, approach that situation when the other person might not be interested in connecting with you in that way? And yet something is creating like you have a coworker, you have someone who's managing you um, and then there's also a power dynamic mm-hmm. that you want to bring something soft and vulnerable to to someone who has power over you and who's also not you know not yet in the sphere of, of relating authentically <sighs> I start this again with in theory in theory it makes no difference it makes no difference who is on the other end of the line I can use these tools, these relational tools in every circumstance. I can use these tools with everyone as a tool to be seen. I can easily approach a co-worker. Sorry for easily. (laughs) This sometimes sneaks in and and I know immediately when I say easily, no, this is not easy at all. (laughs) So I can approach a coworker and say, God damn it, this work you made, it did not work again. This is so upsetting. Or I can say, I feel upset. We are working here as a team and it is very difficult to be with the way you do your work. In the first way, I'm attacking the person. In the second way, I'm taking ownership of how do I feel? what is going on for me, and I can finish this. Would you be willing to sit down with me so that we can maybe find different ways to interact with each other? And in my work experience, and I have been so great in that, I did not even approach people in a owned aggressive way. I would have done the work myself. So people bring me documentations from the construction sites where I saw I I can't give this to anyone. So what did I do? I did not tell them, hey, you have to write this again in an angry tone. No, I wrote them myself. I took care of this myself. Yeah, you avoid the potential for any kind of conflict. Exactly. Complete conflict avoidant. And yeah, while I was creating my company, I was working with people out of marketing and someone who made the logo and someone who helped me with finding a name and all these things. So there I had a really, really rich space to practice and it made my whole workflow so much easier, even though these are not my friends. These are not people I would go for coffee with without having a work topic. And still I can use so many of these tools because I want to be seen. I want them to see me. What they do with that does not make much difference for me. And overall, it makes a, it, yeah, made in this whole process a huge difference in the communication. Not a single person of this team knew what authentic relating is. 
or radical honesty or any of these things. And still they were able to take in my shares of I feel angry because of this, I feel upset because of this, I am really happy with this. Always very calm, it never escalated, it never yeah, created any tension, yeah, because this is how I felt. This is what came up for me. So I think if workshop environments get used to strengthen these muscles of I do this to be seen, I can use this everywhere, even at the workspace. And sharing with a coworker, I feel angry. I tell myself the story that the job should have been done differently leaves very little surface for them to attack. What should they attack? That I'm angry? I can be angry. That I would, I think this should have been done differently. Again, there is not much space. It's the question of how do I approach people and why do I do this? The question that arises for me now is, let's say you are approaching a coworker in this example with, I feel angry. I feel like this should have been done differently. There, it's not so clear for me if the intention is to relate or to change their behavior in a sense. Maybe it's both. Sometimes in a workplace situation, you have to take control. This is the same when I'm on a sailing boat and I'm the skipper of this sailing boat and there are six other people. One person has to say what has to be done because if not, we could sink Mm -hmm. or someone falls off the boat. And I think it's the same thing in a company. Sometimes a certain amount of control is needed Mm -hmm. to get things done. So yes, there it can be both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it makes me think now of when when there are no stakes, right? If it's just you and I relating to each other and me and my friend relating to each other, that often feels less intimidating. But when there's mm-hmm. something that we're trying to do together, whether it's doing a sailing trip or working together to bring a product to life or, or, or going camping or driving somewhere, mm-hmm. there as you were saying, you know, there, there needs to be some kind of result that we accomplish. And mm-hmm. so which point are we talking about the, the way to get the thing that we're trying to do? And at which point are we strengthening our connection? Yeah, that's something where everyone needs to find the balance based on the situation. I find my, myself more and more in situations where before I would have been sure that I need to take control driving somewhere, for me, this would have been a fixed idea. Okay, the the car gets to be packed like this, and this has to be done like that, and this has to be done like that. And through this practice, something in me changed, and as long as the result is reached, everything is fine for me. So, and this is where control is, yeah, where I have the feeling I need to control. I want to be there at four. But everything that happens in between, yeah, maybe that my back gets there, it's easier to not control anymore for me. But it definitely depends. And one thing I can always do is I can make it explicit. I don't feel comfortable if we do it in a different way. I would need us to do it that way. Is that okay for you? To also, if I have the tendency to control... I can use this tendency to control and 
relate to the other person. I can say, I need this for myself. I need to have things done in a certain way. I need the laundry. I want to do the laundry because I like to hang it up in a way something I had with my partner at home. I'm picky around laundry. I want to have this done in a certain way, which in the beginning led to weird situations until I made explicit, look, I would really like to do that because this is important for me, how it's washed and how it's hanged and how it's folded. And I'm picky with that. Is that okay for you? And mm -hmm. from that moment on, it was okay because I shared mm -hmm. that I have this tendency there to want exactly this outcome. Yeah, this is interesting to, to think about because you could also go in the direction of, okay, I'm not going to say anything about the laundry. And every time something happens about the laundry, then I go into, I notice that I'm stressed. <laughs> I notice that I'm irritated. And the way that you framed it there is maybe we don't want to have that experience every time. Mm -hmm. you know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. And here it is again in our intimate, romantic or friendship, family relationships, people that are really close to us. Yeah sometimes making our control patterns or the situations where we want to control, where we definitely want a certain outcome. To make this explicit can help to relate. Mm. It helps the other person to see me and gives the other person the agency to say, yeah, look, but I would also like to do this. Could you include that? And then it's this back and forth of everyone is transparent. We create a container where you can share whatever comes up and create spaces together. It's this uh, constant negotiation yeah. of where, where my boundaries end and where yours begin. And how do we navigate that in between space? Yeah, exactly. And how do, how do I communicate them? How do I communicate these boundaries or these needs or these wants we have so that it's for the other person clear that in the end, they don't have to do much about this. They can, they have the agency. And if we learn to express wants, needs, boundaries in a way that gives the other person agency, it's so much more likely to get a loving or friendly or calm co-created space mm. than, hey, you are crossing my boundary here. I told you 500 times that mm. this might go wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is interesting, right? Because it's the the way that you invite the person in mm -hmm. with uh, the way that you're communicating about something that's happening to you rather than being like, oh, no, stop it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and i think this like this uh, stop it kind of response that's that's for me it's a it's an expression of the fear that i'm not going to be able to get what mm -hmm. i need in that situation and so i need to create a, a hard edge that people can't cross necessarily mm -hmm. yeah. yeah we were talking about this last week when i asked you what happens if you're on the street and someone is uh, shouting something at you mm -hmm. you don't know who this person is you don't know how they're going to react and you most likely will never see them again. And and that's often when my 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 reflexes kick in and I don't need to connect to this person. I really want mm -hmm. to just make the thing stop. Yeah, for me, the first thing that came up right now was 
I have so many tools. I know so many things about these topics. And I still have people where I have got no, where I simply don't want to use them, mm. where it makes no sense for me to use them. If someone at the street gets aggressive towards me and I feel in my nervous system, oh, I just want to go away there, there is no need for me to calm this person down. The same in group settings. If I feel that I want to connect with people, I know how to connect, but I this does not mean that I have to connect with everyone. Mm. And I can also dislike people. With some people, I have a better connection. With other people, I don't. And with some people, I make a, a huge bow around them. And I think that's also mm -hmm. perfectly human and perfectly fine yeah, and authentic. Mm -hmm. If all these tools only serve the, the purpose that more and more people like me or that I connect with more and more people for the purpose of connection, Yeah, I question the authenticity behind that because I'm still human and with some people I connect, with other people I don't. Mm. What's something in this work that you're working on deepening within yourself right now? A huge topic for me is context, rules, finding my own explicit context that I have in everyday situations, especially my partner, my family and friends, and make them explicit. This is how I see things. This is how I want things. This is how I would like things to happen. These are the rules I play by. And there is hardly a day where I don't find something new that was for me so the most normal thing everyone would do where then in a situation I'm like, huh, maybe this is not the most normal thing and this is not something everyone does. This is only a part of your social or educational mm -hmm. or childhood programming. That's why this is so normal for you. Mm -hmm. But the other person has no idea about these rules. A short example, I, early into my relationship, I got frustrated every time we sat down for lunch or dinner and I brought the food and everything was at the table and she walks away and gets herbs from the balcony and something to drink and something here and something there and I'm sitting there and the food is getting cold, not really cold, but cold-ish. And something in me, I got angry all the time because for me it was so normal when the food is at the table everyone sits there and eats you get up when both are done these rules i got from yeah, how it was at home and yeah, it took a while for me to realize ha huh, she can't know that mm. she's not doing this because she wants to make me angry <laughs> This has nothing to do with me. She doesn't respect my cooking. Exactly. <laughs> no, she really likes how I cook. She does not know my rules. Mm. She does not know how I was programmed. She does not know that until now, for some reason, every of my partner before had the same rules. Maybe it was because each of my other partners was Austrian and was more or less the same rules. All of this was did not need to be talked about. And here it was different. And 
different. And this is a big learning for me. And it's really impactful to realize even after doing so much work and being so deep in these processes, huh, still I'm playing my own rules in some games and other people have no idea and I expect them to read my mind. And this happens a lot. And this is something that's very alive for me at the moment. It makes me wonder also, of course, what are the rules that I'm not expressing right now because I just think it's so normal to have them. And also how to make that explicit if I'm recognizing that there's probably a difference in expectation going on, how to communicate that in a way that is acknowledging that my rules are just as valuable as somebody else's rules mm -hmm. and then to come to a, a calibration in between. So what's happening now when you make dinner? No, we are we are getting we are getting somewhere. It's so often with these rules that once they are expressed, once they are explicit, it's not that big of a deal anymore. Mm. Because I shared, wow, well, I got angry so often when you did not sit down with me when I served the dinner, but you were doing something else, and part of me felt disrespected and that my food is not enough. So by learning. What is my core fear, which for me is not enough, not good enough, not pretty enough, not articulate enough, not knowledgeable. Everything is not enough. Mm -hmm. Or too much. Oh, I have it with not enough. Oh, yeah, okay. I have and, it both. I have both okay. too much and not enough. <laughs> and so when I know that, ah, oh, this is happening again, and this, this, this fear and this fear creates anger is coming up, And I know, okay, it's time to express something. Maybe we have, again, rules that I never expressed. But in this specific topic, it's still that sometimes I serve the food and she goes to the balcony and cut some herbs. But it's fine because now we know that this has nothing to do with mm -hmm. being disrespectful or not liking my food or anything like that or that my food is not good. It's We function differently and that's perfectly fine. So quite often... It does not need other people to play by my rules. Mm -hmm. It's more important that they know them. Yeah, that they know what the meaning is. Yeah. What? Where do I come from? Why is this happening for me? Mm. My last question for you would be, what is your wildest dream for what this work could be? I truly believe that this is something that would change society from the ground, if every single person learns to express their feelings, emotions, sensations, learns to distinguish between what is really here and what is the story I'm creating, and learns to express that society would change. I would love to see this in every school, in every company, educating children, giving them the agency to take responsibility for their feelings and for their emotions and for their sensations and for everything that goes on in them and showing them that they don't need so many of the institutions we think we rely on, which is only a story. It's only context where we try to believe in these institutions and in these companies out there. And I think if teenagers, children, grown-ups out of every range of society would learn how to express themselves. They would grow out of this need to be taken care of, need to be governed and ruled in the way it happens right now. 
So my wildest dream is that in the next years, there will be opportunities to go into school with this work, to teach children how to express themselves and to help them mature out of this state of, I need others to tell me how to feel, what to feel and how I should be and that it's okay. hundred people can be super happy. It's okay when I'm not. I don't have to be, I don't have to swim with the stream. Everything is perfect the way it is. And this is something this practice embodies for me. I don't have to be anything. I don't have to become anything. The way I am in this very moment is enough. And I tell myself the story of everyone would learn to embody that. A lot of things would change. Thank you for spending your time with me, Alex. Sorry that I can't make the workshop this evening, but I'm looking forward to learning more about the work. And I hope that you'll run some more workshops with us. Yeah, I hope so too. I really hope so too. I really enjoy the space here. I enjoy the people, the new connections I'm making. And this conversation with you was really encouraging to see people are coming and take out something of this work and i think this is how change is going to happen everyone is going to take a small bit out of my work and this can make huge waves of new ways to relate with each other so i'm really grateful Mm -hmm. for being here and thank you for having me if you've enjoyed this episode subscribe to this channel so you'll be notified when a new episode is posted rate and review this podcast and share this episode with someone you think would love it. Follow the happenings at the Life Itself Berlin Hub on Facebook and Instagram with Life Itself Berlin. I hope you're leaving today with a new idea or story that'll make you see the world a little differently. <laughs>